Good morning. I'm excited to be here. How about you? Yeah. All right. We are in week three of this series, Exponential. We've been talking about how we have the opportunity to be the exponential movement of God. That that same power that raised Jesus from the dead was promised to us in Acts 1.8. And then in Acts 2, we talked about how the Holy Spirit was poured out on all the believers. And now we live in that same reality, and we get to partner with what the Holy Spirit is doing to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth in our communities here and, and around the world. And we are just so excited about that. So we're calling this our four-week journey to Easter. And we're saying, hey, we encourage you to join with us on this four-week journey, whether you're here in person, whether you're going to watch on the video later or listen to the podcast. Uh, we're just glad that you're here. And we're using this four weeks uh, as, as we travel through the book of Acts to prepare ourselves for what God wants to do through us especially on Easter weekend. And we've been praying and believing that God is really gonna do something amazing on Easter morning. We are doing this Easter egg hunt that Kristen mentioned as an opportunity to help people get back in church on Easter. And we are praying that God will send us many, many lost, hurting, broken people who need to meet Jesus. And I'm excited that we're gonna be sharing the gospel. We're gonna be inviting people to respond uh, and uh, would you just join with me over these next two weeks as we pray that people who are looking for grace, who are looking for forgiveness, freedom from the shame that they experience, freedom from addiction, would find that through Jesus on, on Easter morning. So here we are in our, in our journey uh, through uh, up until uh, Easter. So, uh, man, that's, that's, that's what this series we're in uh, called Exponential. Have you ever felt like an outsider in your life? Every time in your life, you ever felt like an outsider? Probably, you know, if you're breathing at some time in your life, you've felt like an outsider. I grew up in Minnesota, here actually in Maple Grove. But then the day after Kristen and our, our honeymoon to uh, Disney World, we, we moved to Denver, Colorado. And I'd never lived out of state before. I went to college here in Minnesota. And I thought, ah, it's no big deal because I have so many friends and acquaintances in, in the Twin Cities. And moving to Denver, man, I felt like an outsider. Like, just being real, when I, when I got there and flipped on the radio station looking for, like, you know, Cities 97 or KS95, and literally every other station was in Spanish, not English. I was like, boy, we are not in Minnesota anymore, you know, uh, the land of Swedes and Norwegians. It was very different. However, I discovered that people in Colorado know how to make um, burritos and Mexican food, and it is delicious. And so now I kind of miss that and really good salsa. But living in Colorado just kind of felt like an outsider, like I never quite fit in. Just a little bit different culture. It's kind of the West. It's cowboy culture. And then after six years of living in Colorado, Kristen and I felt the call of God, and we moved with our one-year-old son, Joshua, to Wisconsin. And again, felt like an outsider. Like, man, I'm trying to fit in, and, and, and I'm here to admit, I'm, I'm really sorry. I tried so hard to fit in that I cheered for the Badgers, and I cheered for the Packers. For three years, I cheered for the Packers. And then we moved home, and I repented, and we talked about how that means teshuva, and I turned away from that, the green and gold, back to the purple and the Seahawks. Um, I, I, some lingering effects that still, and I was a Badgers fan, that's how I became a Russell Wilson fan. He was there the same time that we were. So if you're wondering, Eric, how did you become a Seahawks fan? That's how. But we do crazy things trying to fit in, right? Like, we cheer for the Packers. Um, it was fun, because they were winning a lot of games um, at that time. But still, uh, we do crazy things trying to fit in. I think we've all had that 
time where we felt like outsiders and we're trying to fit in. Well, here we are in the book of Acts, and the big question we're asking is, is how did the church arrive at this turning point where outsiders were willing to be included by the insiders? How, how do we get to this point where those of us, us, who weren't born Jewish, most of us probably, were allowed to be in to the church and the faith? And that's, that's what we've been working towards uh, for these last couple of weeks. And we're gonna see that as the body of Christ, we're called to be bringers. Uh, maybe you've heard us talk about our vision as a church. Our vision is that we would be able to bless people. That's why we do Easter egg hunts. That's why we support uh, global partners in, in, in Malawi and, and Munich. Thanks to your generosity, in the last two years, we've given about $15,000 to our global partners overseas to spread the gospel and about $10,000 to our local partners here uh, in Minnesota. And that's because we want to be a blessing, that we've been blessed to be a blessing. And then we hope that people, when they're blessed, that they would come into Mosaic and they'd feel like this is a place where they can belong. That it doesn't matter what you've done, what's been done to you, that you're not perfect, we're, we're cool with it. Man, hey, come. You don't have to believe everything we believe to belong. You can come find a place, ask your questions, wrestle with your doubts. But then ultimately, we believe that everyone has to make that decision, whether to put their belief in themselves or to put their belief in Jesus. And baptism is a symbol of, of that going public with Jesus saying, I'm not going to put my trust in myself, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. And I want everyone to know that. But all too often in our churches, we get stuck in that belief circle. A lot of churches, they will be, they'll bless, maybe belong, and then belief. And what happens is people just kind of get stuck in this circle of learning more and more, and we get educated beyond our level of obedience. And we were never designed to be a lake. We were designed to be a river and let God's blessings flow through us and to ultimately be bringers. And that's what we've been talking about in this series of, called Exponential, is how we're called to be bringers of encouragement, like Barnabas, who stood up for Paul, Saul, and brought him to their disciples. And we're called to be bringers of healing. And we're called to be bringers of the Holy Spirit, wherever we go, or that's what we're going to see today. And bringers of belonging, that outsiders can feel like insiders. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, if you you want to join with me, have your Bible today. We're going to be diving into Acts chapter 10. We've been working our way through the book of Acts since last August, taking a couple of breaks, but we're continuing to journey our way through Acts. Now we're in Acts chapter 10, and really everything has been building up to this chapter. This is a huge chapter, Acts 10 verse 1, and before we dive in, I'm just going to pray real quick. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Theophilus, who generously funded Dr. Luke so that he could carefully investigate the story of Jesus, the story of the early church, and write it down for us so that we could have this today. God, I thank you for your love and for your grace. I thank you that through the cross, outsiders can become insiders, that we are invited into the family of God and that all are welcome at your table. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, Verse one, chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So here we meet Cornelius. And Dr. Luke describes him as a devout man. He's he's God-fearing. 
but he's still someone who makes his living as a commanding officer in an occupying army. That's something important to never lose sight of that, that over, over all of the Gospels of the New Testament is this idea of empire, and the Roman Empire is exerting their will and their power over the Jewish people. And right here, we have one of those officers of the, of the Roman army, and he's been living there for a while. I think I have a picture of what a centurion would have looked like. Yeah, so this is what you need to picture. <laughs> that, that's what a centurion, he would have commanded probably 100 soldiers. And he's been stationed here in Palestine, in the Israel area, as an officer in this occupying army. But while he was there, he's met Yahweh, the, the God of the Israelites. And so he's been praying, he's been, he's been generously giving, he's been living this life of trying to honor God, but he's yet to meet and follow Jesus. And that's what we're going to find today. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who's called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called to two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So this Roman soldier from occupying force, he, he loves God, but he hasn't yet met Jesus. And so this angel shows up to, to say, hey, you need to reach out to this man named Peter, this former Jewish fisherman who has become a church planter and a pastor and is staying with this tanner and not a very noble profession. On the next day, Peter is praying and thinking about food. And guys, I'm so glad Peter is in the Bible because I can relate with him so much. Peter often like leaps before he looks, like he, he speaks his mind. You know, he chopped off a guy's ear because he was trying to like do the right thing. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, come on, puts the ear back on. And here we have, like Peter's praying and he's thinking about food. Like anyone else ever been there before? Like, yeah, you're thinking about McMahon, how good would brunch taste right now? Yes, that's Peter, I, I love Peter. So God shows up to Peter while he's praying, and gives Peter a vision. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. God has used him to help thousands of people uh, find Jesus. He's used him to heal a paralyzed man. He's used him to bring a woman back from the dead we saw last week. And still, God's gonna give him this vision and Peter doesn't get it the first time. And then Peter doesn't get it the second time. And Peter still doesn't get it the third time. Man, I'm so glad that Peter is in the Bible because sometimes God reveals things to us and it takes us a lot of times before we really understand what God is saying. And I love that, that God has patience for us. Verse nine, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, eat, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry by Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. So th three men show up, one armed soldier, asking for Peter. And Peter doesn't know why they're there. 
And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. For I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them to be his guests. All right, so what's this big deal about this sheet that God shows to Peter filled with all these animals and then kill these animals and eat them and Peter's like, no, God, and it happens three times. Like, what is that all about? Like, that's weird, right? Well, this goes back to the law that Moses gave the slaves who were led out of bondage of Egypt and, and learning how to live, how to be different. And they were given these certain dietary laws that would separate them from everyone else and give them a sense of identity. As he knew people who had lived in slavery and bondage for 400 years, they didn't know how to be a people. They didn't know how to govern themselves. So God gave them the law and these commandments as a way to live, a way to, to be a community, to find their identity that was different from the rest of the world. And they were called out and blessed to be a blessing. We have to remember that these Jewish dietary laws, a lot of times if we're reading through the Old Testament, we kind of skip over, but they're actually a really big deal. And the Jewish people up until this time, even through the time of Jesus, would have kept all these dietary laws. So up until now, Peter's never had bacon before. Man, what a bummer, right? Like, that is just sad. Never had shrimp. Never had lobster. Like, what? But see, these dietary laws are what kept the Jewish people from fully assimilating into the Roman Empire. See, this Roman occupying force had conquered the world, and pretty much everyone else had quickly assimilated into the empire. But the Jewish people stood in the face of this incredible pressure to forsake their faith, to drop what made them unique and become good citizens of the empire. These dietary laws weren't just matters of etiquette or, or culinary uh, 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 habits. They were actually a matter of survival and identity. And that's the world that Peter grew up in. So while, while Peter is pondering, God, why would you ask me to give up my identity, the thing that makes me unique, these men show up. So Peter invites them to stay with him, and the next morning he leaves. And here's what I love. Peter doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know why he's going there. And I read this week in a commentary. It says, disciples are those who say, Lord, I don't know where you're leading me, but I will go. That is the mark of a disciple. It's saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly, God, what you're calling me to do. God just told him, hey, Peter, when these men show up, go with them. And so sometimes God may be leading you into something new, and you won't have all the details. You won't have it all mapped out. But as disciples, as followers of Jesus, our job is to obey, to be faithful. We preach, I preached in this last fall that our job is obedience. God's job is the fruitfulness. And so we just show up. We say, God, wherever you're going, I'm going to go. We take that step, even if we don't have all the answers, we don't have it all worked out. That's what Peter is doing right here. Verse 23, the next day he rose and went away with him, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. 
And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. He's saying it's against the old law for me to associate with you, to even be in your home, let alone eat with you. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter finally gets it. He understands the vision that God gave him. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? Peter finally gets it. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord." What I love in this story is that both Peter and Cornelius were praying when this huge church-altering event happens. Our author, Dr. Luke, he wants to impress on all his readers the importance of prayer. Again and again throughout the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, we see that prayer readies people for the major events that God's going to do. Luke is telling us that if we too want to hear God's call to receive his spiritual gifts to be an exponential force for good, to expand the gospel, that we too need to be devoted to prayer. I just want to share a couple of my favorite quotes about prayer. Max Lucado says this, he says, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Even if you feel awkward, even if you feel like your prayers are feeble, man, it's about God, not about us. Here's what Beth Moore says. There are parts of our calling works of the Holy Spirit and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. Everyone said amen. Lisa Turkist, another great woman of God, she says this. The reality is my prayers don't change God, but I'm convinced prayer changes me. Praying boldly boots me out of that stale place of religious habit into authentic connection with God himself. Amen. And Corey Ten Boom, man, I heard this and I was like, boom, this is good. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Amen. That's good, isn't it? I was like, whoa, Corey Ten Boom, mic drop. Is prayer the last thing that you go to when all else has failed and yeah? Or is it your steering wheel? Is prayer directing you and guiding you that you say to God, hey, I don't have all the answers, but where you are asking me to go, I will go. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. This would have been huge in this time. I mean, women were second-class citizens. There were slaves. Kids didn't even matter. Like, they didn't even count them until they were adults. You know, from a Jewish person, the, the Gentiles were, were just like dogs and outsiders and Samaritans. He says, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is huge in the life of the church. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 
And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Peter's like, I was there for three years watching all this. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who've been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, that's the Jewish believers from Jerusalem, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That'd be water baptism by immersion that we're gonna do here in just a couple minutes. Then they asked him to remain for some days. What an amazing story. Our author, Dr. Luke, has been building towards this. The question, is this a story of a conversion of a Gentile military commander from an occupying force? Or is this the conversion of an apostle? Dr. Luke is telling us that both Cornelius and Peter needed changing if God's mission is going to move exponentially forward. See, in the first century, many people were considered unfit to partake in the Jewish temple worship. Lepers, eunuchs, Samaritans, tax collectors, notorious sinners like prostitutes, those possessed by unclean spirits, and Gentiles were all considered unclean and unfit to worship with the Jewish believers. They weren't invited into fellowship. But those people were the very focus of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Luke and the early church and the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And through the story of Peter and Cornelius, we see old divisions are broken down. Those who were once at odds, Gentiles and Jews, coming together in someone's home to talk about God. Luke is showing us new possibilities for community, for fellowship, for Jews and Gentiles together. Luke, our author, has been building this for 10 chapters, starting with Pentecost in Acts 2. Then the gospel moves to the Samaritans, believing in Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit in Acts 4. Then the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, into the coastal Mediterranean cities in Acts 9, until finally Luke has brought us face to face with this Roman soldier, that we may feel the full blast of the gospel that Jesus can change anyone. doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, even a Roman officer from an occupying force. And the issue for Peter and the other Jewish Christians, as it turns out, is not simply about unclean food, but about unclean people, about who can sit at our table. And ultimately, both Cornelius and Peter needed to repent. We talk about this, that Jewish word repent is teshuva, that you, you've been walking in the woods and, 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 and you look down, you realize you've left the path and you need to turn, you need to turn back to God. And both Cornelius and Peter needed to repent. Repentance, contrary to popular misconception, it's not that this heroic first step I make towards Christ, it's not just feeling sorry for my sins, it's the divine gifts of the Holy Spirit coming and leading us towards truth. It's an act of God's grace that God's kindness leads us towards repentance when we realize, man, I've been going the wrong way. I've left the path that God had for me. I need to turn around. I need to repent. The gospel is all about repentance, which leads to conversion. 
Whatever else the gospel is about, it's about change of hearts and minds. But this conversion, it's not just about feeling sorry for our sins and following a new set of beliefs. Conversion is adoption into a family. It's immigration into a new kingdom. It's transferring from the old way of life into a new way of life, a new kingdom. And Lucas tells us we're never too old, never too adept at living the Christian faith to be exempt from the need for more conversion, additional turning. One of our values is that growing people change. There's always a next step that we can take. There's always more that God wants to do in our hearts as we open up more and more to the gospel, changing us to Jesus living inside of us and leading us. Conversion is a process more than just a moment. Growing people change. We're part of of a movement. It's not just a moment. As we become increasingly more and more like Jesus. Conversion is the beginning of the Christian journey, not its final destination. And moreover, in Acts, we see that conversion, our story is about vocation. Someone's called into working for God, to doing what God calls us to do. So what does that mean for us as a community? Number one, it means that we want a community where Outsiders can become insiders. That those who feel like they don't fit in anywhere, they can be blessed, they can find a sense of belonging. And ultimately, that everyone will find belief in Jesus. They'd find forgiveness of their sins. They'd be able to repent and turn from this old way of life to a new way of life. Through the book of Luke, through the book of Acts, we see that all are welcome to come, but all have to make All have to stop and and, and repent and say, God, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. And so we're going to receive communion in a minute. And communion is is the symbol that all are welcome at the table. After this, we see that, that Jews and Gentiles start eating together and fellowshipping together. We want to be a beautiful mosaic of different backgrounds, all coming together in the kingdom of God as a reflection of what heaven's gonna be like, amen? And so we say everyone is welcome to receive communion as long as you're willing to remember that's about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And we're all gonna take a moment to pause, to reflect and say, Jesus, what is it that I need to repent of? Where is it that I've been trusting myself or or maybe I've let little uh, thoughts creep in, I've let racism or just thoughts of other people creep in, and I need to repent of those things and to turn back towards Jesus, to let the Holy Spirit change us, to renew us. I invite the band to come up. We're gonna receive communion together, and then we're gonna celebrate some baptisms. There are two things we do in in the Christian life to remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Communion and baptism. There are these tangible, physical reminders because the faith and walk with Jesus is not just an intellectual pursuit. It's, it's real life. And so we, we, we bake bread in our community and we have a gluten-free option too. And take that bread and it's a reminder that Jesus' body really was broken for us. He endured the cross because of so much love for us. And you take that piece of bread and you're gonna dip it in the cup.
as a reminder that his blood was shed for us. And maybe you wanna receive communion with your spouse or your small group or whoever it might be. But anytime during this song as the band plays, you can go receive communion. What I like to do, I like to dip the bread in the cup and then hold it underneath my hand. I usually let a few drops of juice spill onto my hand. Just a reminder of Jesus' blood that was shed. To take a minute and and just say, Jesus, what is it I need to, to turn over to you? Where do I need to repent? And then baptism. It's a one-time thing where as we follow Jesus, we choose to to follow him and to identify with with his death, burial, underwater, and resurrection out of water. And, And to remind us that it didn't end at the cross, but through the resurrection, Jesus conquered sin and death, and we can receive new life through Jesus. So we're gonna celebrate that in a couple minutes. I'm gonna pray and the band's gonna lead us through this song. And it just says, the song just says, you know, that all are welcome, that earth has no sorrows that heaven can't heal. And so whatever it is you're going through today, I wanna encourage you to turn that over to Jesus, that all are welcome at the table, that if you feel like an outsider, you are invited to be an insider today and into the family of God. I'm just gonna be down here front. If you'd like someone to pray with you or or talk with you about following Jesus during this next five minutes, I'll be down here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. If you'd like to talk more about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit as as these Gentile believers were for the very first time in Acts 10, I'd love to pray with you, to talk with you after service. Would you stand with me? And we're just gonna respond on the next about 10 minutes or so through communion, through song, through baptism. God, thank you for your cross that through the cross, all outsiders can become insiders, that we can be adopted into your family, that we can move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God, we thank you for grace that when we mess up, God, that you freely offer forgiveness. So God, I pray right now that in the next 10 minutes as we, as we sing, as we receive communion, as we celebrate baptisms, God, that your Holy Spirit would be here, would be moving. God, that those who have hurts and, and heartaches would bring them to your table. They would know that you are the suffering servant who identifies with us in our weaknesses, in our hurts, in our griefs. God, that as we receive communion, that, that you'd be so present and real with us. We know that we're not alone, that you are a savior who knows what we're going through. God, I pray if there's anyone here this morning who does not know you, who hasn't followed you, that God, they make that decision to follow you today. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us with your power so that, God, we could be a movement on mission together, being a blessing, bringing belonging, bringing belief to those who have not experienced you yet. So Lord, be with us here as we respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Anytime during the song. You can-